All right, we're going to continue. We started a powerful series, uh, Kingdom Sexology, God's Intention for Godly Marriages, or Sex in Marriage, Godly Marriages, God's Intention for Sex in Godly Marriages, Kingdom Sexology. Uh, I was telling somebody, they asked me, why Kingdom Sexology? That's a big name. I said, well, we are children of the kingdom. And so the way we... The way we receive sex and the way we relate to it is not the way God, I mean the way other people in the world should. We must be different because we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. So there's no sitting on the fence. You're either in the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of life, and is the kingdom of light, or you're in the kingdom of darkness, which is in the kingdom of hell. There's a kingdom of where anything goes. But if we're in the kingdom of God, then we must behave as special people. In 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peculiar people, we must have peculiar ways of dressing, peculiar ways of eating, peculiar ways of fellowshipping, peculiar ways of working, peculiar ways of living, peculiar ways of doing everything we do. We must be separate. He says, be ye separate. As I am separate. So God's intention for sex is wonderful, is glorious, and we are a kingdom of priests and kings, and therefore God has a lot to say about sex. We remember we looked at it on Sunday. He had said in Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, be fruitful, multiply. So God is the one who is the author of sexual drive. God is for affection. It is his plan. It's God's personal plan for populating the earth. That's why he gave us uh, the ability to reproduce and procreate. And, uh, sex, I said, according to Ephesians 4:17 and on, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, the, the relationship of intimacy between a man and his wife can be compared to the intimacy between Christ and the church. And marriage, like I said, is the fence around sex. Hebrews says marriage is honorable in all. According to, I believe, Proverbs 5, when sex is stolen, headache and heartache, or headaches and heartaches result. So sexual drive is healthy. And we looked at four different levels of sexual drive. You have low you have medium, you have high, and then you have the very high. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people do not have uh, peace with themselves. I was amazed to discover that they, they, they said that 90% of all the models Female models who look so wonderful, uh, gloriously known, and have money and fame and success, 90% of them have low self-esteem. Do not think that they are all that beautiful. So something is wrong with people. It's not the looks. A lot of people are highly wired, yet they have very low self-esteem. Left so low self-esteem. Servanthood is the key for not only successful marriage but for successfully fulfilling sexual life. You must go in to serve. We looked at different things, uh, creating a hope when it's not convenient. Sixty percent of children of couples when children arrive, it affects. Uh, the family, the level of intimacy. 90% of sexual problems are not sexual, but physiological. In other words, it's in the mind. That's why a model who the whole world thinks is beautiful 
is struggling with self-esteem, doesn't think her body is that beautiful. Something is wrong. It's in the mind. Sex is in the mind. All right. So tonight we want to go further and uh, begin to... Somebody had asked me a question, two questions they asked me, and I wanted to respond uh, tonight uh, before we go further. One has to do with oral sex. It was after the service, and uh, people just were asking questions, and they were asking, uh, what did I think of oral sex? Uh, there's been a lot of conflicting information given out. Some people say, there's some preacher who said, oral sex is good. Another person says, oh, well, we don't know. Another person says, well, in fact, somebody told me, uh, one of our people said, oh, well, that the world considers oral sex not sex. It's just entertainment. <laughs> um, just like, uh, and I asked him a question, would you, uh, two, two, two reactions to that, and I'll just leave you to make up your mind. One, God did not create uh, certain parts of our bodies for sexual activity, sexual use, certainly not uh, the way we use or apply oral sex. Secondly, the body is not designed, certain parts of the body are designed to handle infection and germs and viruses, and the human mouth is not one of them. We had a response from a nurse uh, in the congregation who said there has been an increase in the number of infections in children now, uh, STD found in mouths of children and throats of children because in our school system, they said, well, in the American school system, they said to them, have sex, but have safe sex. Not do not have sex. Have it, they give them condoms. And so uh, they argue that which one is, is easier, uh, having unsafe sex or having oral sex or having sex with condoms, which one? It's a very serious thing that the world is coming, uh, has come to with the uh, just the epidemic of, of uh, pornography and crude language and uh, like I was saying on Sunday, all kinds of stimulations, uh, gawking and goggling and looking and lusting. And the world pretends that nothing is wrong with that. I, I am of the opinion that something is wrong. And the first thing to do is to teach on it, confront it from the platform of the church so that people will not think it's something else that is dirty and sinful to talk about sex and discuss it. I think it's something that is important. Uh, the average man thinks of sex eight times per hour. And I can see why, because of the advert and the commercials and the way he's wired. A man's sexuality is wired, controlled by what he sees. In the commercials, newspaper, uh, people in the street, people in the office, things they see constantly. There's a bombardment of images in the world. The average woman thinks of sex between three to four times, between two to four times per hour, born again or not. So there's a constant bombardment of jokes and suggestions and looks and gawkings and all kinds of things. And, and, and that go on in the world. I also wanted to teach on this because of people, a lot of people really don't know. Men do not, a lot of men do not understand the, the woman, a woman. They don't even understand their bodies, how it functions. Not to talk of understanding how a woman's body functions and vice versa. A lot of women do not care, do not really know what a man needs and they think all he wants is sex all the time not knowing that there is more to it than that. So, and there's a lot of people who, on their wedding night, or newly married people, who really don't know anything. If you want to start taking notes, happy sex is happy marriage. It's a mysterious thing. Happy sex is happy marriage. And so, uh, that's just what it is. Then the other question they asked me concerned uh, Hebrews 13, verse 4, Hebrews 13, verse 4, and where it says that the marriage bed is undefiled. 
Somebody said to me, Hebrews 13, verse 4. And they said to me, well, you had said it, but you undefiled in what way? Hebrews 13, verse 4, the King James Version says, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. The Amplified Version says, let marriage be held in honor, esteemed worthy, precious, of great price, and especially dear in all things. And thus, let the marriage bed be undefiled, kept undishonored, for God will judge and punish the unchaste, all guilty of sexual vice and adulterous. So I, I still wanted to find out what other versions of the Bible would say. I went to the Message Bible, which is the Bible translated in today's language. And what it says, it says here, um, Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. Obviously, marital sex is sacred, is holy. Because God is a witness. Even when, And I told you on Sunday that we all are going to account for what we've done with our bodies. And then he reads further, God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Against casual and illicit sex. Of course, he reads totally so different from um, the King James Version. I checked up Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Uh, verse 20, thereabouts, from verse, uh, yeah, from verse 19, the, the King James Version says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, which is sexual sin, fornication, sexual sin, uncleanness, sexual sin, lasciviousness, sexual sin. So the works of the flesh, the flesh is the base, the seat of sexual sin and rebellion and iniquity. And I told you on Sunday that the flesh is powerful. You don't fight the flesh with your mind or trying to fight it with flesh. No, you find, in fact, the Bible says flee from fornication. It's amazing that he said flee from fornication and said to us, resist the devil. He says don't run from the devil, resist him. But when it comes to fornication, the flesh, flee from it. So I looked at the uh, message version of Galatians 5, 20, and he says, uh, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. So the flesh is called your own way all the time. It says repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. So what we call adultery and fornication is called repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. That's how King, King, uh, the Message Bible reads it. Uh, I don't know if it can get clearer than that. I looked at 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, just to break it down, bring it up to... Uh, modern language, so to say, First Corinthians six. See what he will say. First Corinthians six. We start from uh, verse uh, 
15. It says in King James Version, Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. That's what he says. He didn't say resist it. Flee. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. And then, like I told you, I used to say, well, it's my body. And then verse 19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of, God, of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I looked at the message translation. He says, there is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. Uh-oh. So sex is actually a spiritual activity. You may want to write it down. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become one spiritually, one with the since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment. No, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love. For becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So much for answers to oral sex. I checked Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If you read from verse uh, 24, it says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the loss of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Look what he says. He calls them inventors of evil things. That is what they bring to the marriage bed today. Evil inventions. Gadgets. Toys techniques, various ways of perverting 
what the Bible calls a natural use of the woman and a natural use of the man. The, the, the message version somewhere says, it says, refusing to know God. They didn't seem, they didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men, all lost, no love. And then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love. Godless and loveless wretches. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, wanton killing, bickering, and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued, god-bashers, bullies, swaggers, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well that they are, well, they are spitting in God's face. And they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. It's very clear. Evil inventions. And they say, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just yes, once it's okay with you, that, that's fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Question, what is acceptable, therefore, today? What is acceptable? I was talking to someone yesterday, and we're just going through it. And uh, What is acceptable? They asked me, Pastor, so what should we do then? The marriage bed is undefiled. It's holy. But well, Pastor, well, then so how do we draw the line? Will Jesus do what you and your husband are doing? Will Jesus be honored in it? That alone should be your bottom line. The same question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What will he do if you were your position? Well, not if my husband is the type of person who just insists. Well, I said it on Sunday. There's a wife material and there's a girlfriend material. There's a nightclub material. It's not every, every there's some women who are trash, born trash. And so men trash them. Men who run around have very decent, beautiful women and wives at home. As a young man, I was counseling one day. I said, where did you meet this, your wife? Because he was having so much trouble at home. Oh, I met her at the nightclub. That's where you met your wife? Yes. So who counseled you? The DJ? Who, who is the pastor? The, the uh, bouncer at the gate, uh, the door of the nightclub? It's not a marriage. Well, it's a marriage, not a marriage. What is acceptable? Let's break it into seven. What is acceptable in terms of, number one, frequency of sex between couples? Two, details in terms of activities. Three, what is allowed biblically? Four, where to draw the line? Five, managing sex drive or sex drives. Six, creating variety and killing boredom 
killing sexual boredom. And seven, sustaining a vibrant sex life. These are the areas we want to look at tonight. And then we'll see how the Lord will lead us. I'd like to look at men's sexuality. What does a man want? Two, what does a woman want? And hopefully that will help us to understand each other. All right. Now, a lot of people, let's deal with frequency. Most couples are not uh, matched in terms of their sexual drive. Frequency, normally, they, some people say, I remember one time I said, oh, it should be twice a week. One woman said, what? Twice a week? No. It should be every day. The husband said, honey, every day? Can't be every day. It became a, an issue between them. I remember where a man said, no, twice a week? No way. Every day. What is she doing? What, what do you mean? So it's a very uh, sensitive issue. And uh, what I advise is that couples should discuss it and agree on a compromise. But let me say this. Men generally and can have sex every day. Most women are not designed. Women are dazed, baffled at the sexual drive of men. What? But you did it just. Uh, uh. What's wrong with you? Most women think there's something wrong with their husbands. There's nothing wrong with him. Men are designed like that. But pastor, how can, he just came from work. They had a conference one time in Florida. It was a, a fellowship of men. So the preacher asked a question. He said, look, how many of you men, it was about 150 men from ages 20-something to 80. How many of you can do without food for a certain number of days? About 14% of the men raised their hands. How many of you can do without sex for such a number of days? Not one hand was raised. So it's a complex thing. Women don't try to understand it. They just try to work with it. And I remember the story of a woman who was complaining that her husband was just too, too highly wired, overwired. This man... If possible, would like to have sex three times a day if he could. Must be from Solomon's family or something. And the other woman said, you're complaining? Yes. I wish we can switch places. You are getting too much. I'm not getting anything. I'd rather be getting too much than getting nothing. Shut up and go and thank your God. It's better that you have a husband who is bothering you. Come to my house. Last time, I, we, I can't remember when last time my husband said, how are you doing? I noticed that generally couples are not evenly matched. Some are high. They marry a woman who is low. Some are low. They marry a woman who is high. Sometimes, fortunately, some are medium, medium. Sometimes, some are low, low. The best combination is low, low, medium, medium, or high, high. I know some of you would prefer high, high. <laughs> the worst combination is high to low. That's when trouble comes, and then they come for therapy, and then we work and see how they can compromise and bring it to a point of agreement. But okay, he wants it every day. Pastor, I can handle it only twice a week. All right, why don't we agree on three times a week? Mm, well, the men who usually complain. So if you have a husband who wants it every day, thank God and pray hard. The Lord will help you in Jesus' name. Mm, it's better. 
the average because of work. Men, and then this is also what baffles a lot of women. But we just finished fighting. Men are not like you. Women, he can fight with you now. And you say, let's have sex. You say, okay. Have sex and then tomorrow continue fighting. It's something women can't understand. It's hot tonight. <laughs> you don't have to look at me. You can keep looking at your Bible. <laughs> I read the story of a man who had worked four hours in the garden. Sweaty with dust and mud all over him. Walked through the, came in through the back door and saw his wife and said, let's have sex. The woman said, no. In that condition? And the man was very offended and hurt and he went for counseling. And the, the woman said, I want a clean man, smelling good, no stubble, no mud, no sweat, fresh bed sheets, soft music, soft light. When I read it, I said, God help you, this kind of man. So, in other words, women are more into creating the atmosphere, and we're going to get, get into that. A man can come home tired, like can't even eat, too tired to eat, but not too tired for sex. So sex is more important to men than food, averagely. Write it down to help you. In Africa, they train the wives, give him food, give him sex, happy home. Hmm. <laughs> Sex and food, they don't compromise on that. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, a lotto winning combination. Sex and food. Never fails. Never fails. He can nag with you, you can nag him, and he will bang things and walk out and jump into his car, about to drive off, and you say, let's have sex. He will stop his car and jump out, have sex, and jump into his car and keep going. <laughs> it's, that's how men are made, made. So you've got to understand that, and don't think that there's something wrong with you, with your husband. Most men think that there's something wrong with men. With their, most women think there's something wrong with their men. Now, most men think there's something wrong with their wives and women. Why can't we have it? What's wrong with you? Huh? Huh? Uh, I'm tired. Are you tired? Well, what do you mean you're tired? I uh, have a headache. What do you mean you have a headache? Uh, I'm feeling cold. Uh, increase the heat. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, well, uh, go on, eat. Do something. Mm. <laughs> so you got to understand that a woman... Now, write this down. Sex is the end for a man. Sex is the end for a man. A woman, intimacy is the end, not sex. In other words, she would rather start with intimacy, fondling, joking, touching, hugging. The atmosphere must be right. And then she will have sex. But for a man, he will have sex first. And then look for the atmosphere later. The music and the light and the food and touching. No, after sex, then we settle the rest. Give it to me now first. God bless that man. <laughs> so... So if you understand that, you can cope with your husband or cope with your wife. So I have a question for you. Which one is better, low sex drive or high sex drive or no sex drive? Okay, don't, don't, don't answer, don't worry. I don't want you to give yourself away. So the frequency is important. Uh, now, as a man gets to around 40, his testosterone production begins to decline. Men reach their sexual peak at 20 years old. 
women peak in their sexual, their sexual peak is at 40 years old. And I can understand why. If a man started at 20 to peak and continued till 40, he would kill his wife. So God said, all right, you start early and slow down. And then to compensate for that, God said, all right, when you're getting faint, that's when the woman kicks in. And I can give this reason from experience that when a woman makes the move for sex, when a woman initiates sex with a man, it's more, it's more wonderful. In fact, the man is happier. When a woman initiates sex toward a man, as far as that man is concerned, heaven has come down. <laughs> because women usually are shy, are private, would rather not. <laughs> you should be sitting next to us, your wife. <laughs> so sex initiation is very critical. Who starts it first? Most women wait for the man to study. Most uh, wild women will start it first. The man likes it. For him, it means I'm the hottest man since after hot potato. When we nearly got married, when my wife wanted a hug, I thought she wanted something else. I didn't know. <laughs> So when she wanted uh, just for me to hug her and hold her and say, oh, how are you? When she tried, I said, what do you want? <laughs> I didn't know any better. I thought that for me, touching me and, you know, meant let's do the thing. So I said, what do you want? And it frustrated her for quite a while. She told me, no, when I'm touching you or hugging you or saying hello, I don't want anything. I just want to show you that I love you and to draw from your love. I said, oh. <laughs> I thought you want some action. <laughs> I was ignorant. <laughs> With all my knowledge, I still was ignorant. She reminded me on Sunday when she said, yes, you used to be, you didn't know. Oh, it's hot now. It's hot tonight in this place. Your jacket has come off. <laughs> And so it's very important. Now there are uh, products that you can buy for men and women, supplements that will replace or replenish the supply of testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen for men and women. And you can have 20 years of vitality at 40. Now there are some men that don't decline at 40. Progesterone. I mean, testosterone and progesterone do not decline. Up till 80. Abraham was one. David was another. Solomon, his own, was, he was a record holder. I was telling my wife, I said, may my uh, testosterone and progesterone never decline. She said, amen. And some of these things I say, I check with. I say, should I tell them? She said, yeah, tell them. I said, amen. She said, amen. She laid hands on me. <laughs> I said, I receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're having fun tonight. So frequency is very serious. Next, details. In other words, activities. What do we do in bed that is fun? That is where a lot of people have been misled in terms of what is permissible. What should we do? Some women were telling me, without oral sex, we haven't started. It's a part of foreplay for some of them. So what do we do? Uh, I, uh, uh, there are certain stages uh, in terms of what to do. And uh, please don't look horrified. A lot is going out in the world. There are three, three, three stages of sex, of sex, sexual intercourse. Three stages. And let me tell you, intercourse means intimacy. There is, and, and to know, Adam knew his wife, means 
knowledge or intimacy or intercourse. So when you hear intercourse, it doesn't mean sex. There's sexual intercourse. There's social intercourse. There's spiritual intercourse. There's ministerial intercourse. When you have fellowship, we're having intercourse. Of course, if, if I came to, to, came to church on Sunday and say, all the men and women wait behind, there will be uh, spiritual intercourse after the service. <laughs> Some of them will be like, I bind that in Jesus' name. <laughs> it means just fellowship. All right? So there are four in, we're looking at number two. There are four stages. The first stage is verbal intercourse. Women want and enjoy verbal intercourse. What we call talking and chatting and fellowshipping. Men want to skip it. Women want it. Men say, let's have sex and we have we talk later. Women say, no, we talk now and have sex later. That's where, so you got to understand who, who you are and what your partner is and who he is and how he's wired and how to relate. It will help you. So you now have to educate your partner. This is who a woman is. I would like to slow down things. Let's talk and listen. Honestly, a man will say, what are we going to be talking about? Let's do the thing. We're in bed, and uh, what are we talking about? Football or stock exchange? So, there's verbal intercourse. Secondly, there's emotional intercourse. A lot of people fail in that. And that's the area of communication I was talking to you about on Sunday. Emotional intercourse. Speak your feelings. Speak your needs. Speak your frustrations and your expectations. He doesn't know. She doesn't know. Well, they should know. He told me he used to be a plug boy. He should know. No. Sex in the world is all carnal and lusty. It's all about what you can get. It's all about self. Write this down. Sex in the world is all about self. What you can get. Sex in biblical sex is all about what you can do for your partner. It's all about sovereignhood. That is the difference. That's why I keep telling you it's biblical sexology. In the world, it is carnal and lustful. Get what you can quickly. Biblically, God's own plan for sex is when the man gets him to bed or wherever, in the back of the car, or in the barn, you serve your wife first. And your wife serve you first. So everybody has it in, the, in their minds that I'm here to serve you, to minister to you first. To minister to you. Therefore, sex, biblical sex, is ministry one to another. It's not just the sex, it's a total package. The talking, the sharing, the openness. There are still, I, I know, I've heard of women married for 40, 50 years, their husbands never saw them naked. Put off the lights, no candle, pull the sheets, cover yourself with a blanket. Here I'm coming out of the bathroom now. One, two, <laughs> There's a lot of women who do not like their bodies. They say research has found out that more than 80% of women don't like their bodies. The same body that the man is crazy about, you don't like it. And so you're wondering, what does this is so beautiful in, in this body that is so this and that? And they stand in front of the mirror. My stomach is too big. My backside is too big. My thighs are too thick. My thighs are too thin. My legs are too K or too bow or too straight or too skinny or too fat. My head is out of proportion. My nose should have been smaller. My ears are this. My lips are too thick, too thin, too wide, too narrow. Uh, my arms are too fat and they're getting flabby. Oh, give me a break. And the man is like, hurry up. By the time you come out of the bedroom with your torchlight, 
All you hear is, oh. then you get mad and slapping. It's hot tonight. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. You, you, want, you think I don't know what goes on in your bathroom. Number three, physical intercourse must occur. Yeah, that's the part the man wants to quickly, physically. <laughs> a woman wants a touch, to be touched, tenderness. A man wants not to be touched. Touch me later. Give me the thing now. Touch. Women, babies like to be touched. Plants like to be touched. People like to be touched. It's been found that the children who are touched grow better, are stronger. A woman likes to be touched. Touching the face, touch at the back of the neck, touching the hands, a little hog here, hold her hand. We're walking in the street, walking in the mall, hold her hand. When we're flying together, I sit next to my wife, we hold hands until the plane starts to shake. If there's a little storm, then we, we, we I, somehow I feel that if she's not holding my hand, I'll be in a better position to fight the devil. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the way that came from. Physical intercourse. And there are different stages. There's a foreplay. You just don't jump on her. There's foreplay. You have to wait. The woman takes time to be ready. That's how she's wired. A man can be ready at the drop of a hat. That women don't understand it. You just finished eating. You're ready? Yes. Ah, but the, the, the woman has to now. So the man is impatient. And he's angry now. Can't you just be ready? What do you mean? And then there's a fight. So it takes time. If you want to enjoy her, like I said on Sunday, start early. A phone call during the day. Now the story of a man who was married to his wife for 40 years, wrote a poem for her every morning before he went to work. Four, spiritual intercourse. Praying together. Worshiping together. Studying the word together. Fighting pray in the, prayerfully together. Attend the church together. That's why God said, do not be unequally yoked. That's what God wants. So that's, those are the four levels of different levels in terms of details and activities. Now, number three, what is allowed? What is allowed? What is allowed? What is acceptable? People don't know. I was talking to one of our members yesterday. People don't know, so they assume that oral sex is allowed, anal sex is allowed, uh, toys are allowed, uh, pornography is allowed, movies and magazines, internet's allowed, uh, pictures are allowed, uh, grandmother teaches you, uh, friends teach you, ex-boyfriend teaches you, ex-girlfriend teaches you, read it up in a book, you see it in the movie, so you think it's allowed. How do we as children of God define what is allowed? What is really allowed biblically? If you go home when you study Leviticus 18, you see all the things that are not allowed. Sex with the relative, sex with mother, sex with father, sex with sister, sex with brother, even down to sex with animals. Go to Leviticus 18. It's not allowed. There's so much that is not allowed. Even Job declared that if he looks at a woman with lust, that is a sin. The first look, the second look is the look that gets you into trouble. Leviticus 18. So much is restricted. Now, you say, but why is God restricting all this, putting all these restrictions on us? After all, he gave it to us. Because of what the uh, Canaanites and the people in the promised land before the children of Israel moved in. 
Look at from verse 22. Just give me, let me just give you an example. He said, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with woman, womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things, in all these, the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And the land is undefiled. And the land is defiled, verse 28, that the land spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. So a lot of sexual, all these sexual perversions cause the land to rebel and kill people and swallow people and destroy people. What does it mean? The land will not yield to them. The land becomes difficult. The land becomes hostile. The land becomes unfriendly. And we're talking about the land. We're talking about people on the land. The land itself becomes rebellious and refuses to cooperate with people. What is allowed biblically? Will Jesus be pleased with it? Will Jesus be glorified with it? So many ministers are teaching that whatever you and your husband agree on, do it. It's okay. Question I have, and the objection I have to that is, where is the limit? If you start now, after a while, there will be boredom, so you increase. We read about evil inventions, and it's going to increase and increase and increase and multiply. Where is the limit? Where do we stop? Don't forget that men want very wild sex. Men want raunchy, wild, aggressive sex. So after a while, he wants something new. Where do you draw the line? A little bit of uh, drugs before and after. A little bit of wine. Then he goes to something stronger. He said, well, he's just to loosen the muscles. And get into the mood. Don't forget your body is a temple. You cannot defile it. We saw it in Leviticus. Those who defile it, not only will God judge them, the land will refuse to cooperate with them. It is serious. I said it is serious. Mm, I know you won't say amen. It is serious. It is serious. In Romans, what does he say? Romans 12, present your body. As a living sacrifice. It is serious. Present your body. Present your body. A living sacrifice. In other words, there are certain things that your flesh would like or that you're used to or you've done or you've heard about or you've read about that you now have to sacrifice because you're a child of God. The cravings, the desires, you have to sacrifice them. And give them up. Amen. Amen. Present your bodies. Romans 12, 1. Write this down. Having sex the worldly way will not attract God's blessings. Wrong sex can drive away the blessing of God from your life. Did you know that? If you pervert the body and pervert the marriage bed, blessings can disappear. It's a serious thing. God takes it very seriously. The spirit is fighting the flesh constantly. Remember Galatians 5.20. In Hebrews he said, let us shed every weight that does easily beset us. When you're born again, you get married, there are certain things you cannot and should not do anymore. Number four, where to draw the line? Is it when she says stop, that I stop? Or when uh, we are done, that we're done? Or is it whatever we enjoy? Some people say, okay, yes, it's whatever we enjoy. This couple, they enjoy drinking. Another couple enjoys smoking. 
Another couple enjoys uh, snorting some drugs. Another couple enjoys having a third person, threesome. Another couple enjoys videoing it to show it to the colleagues at the office. Another couple enjoys uh, once in a while you go and give your husband a treat and rent a prostitute for him. And sometimes bring them to the marriage bed and watch, see how your husband will enjoy this woman. And take pictures for future reference. So where is the limit? If preachers have told us that just whatever the husband, they say, oh, well, do it. You know, if you don't do it, another woman will do it for your husband. If your husband wants to go out, even if you kill yourself, he will still go out. It is God who is the author of marriages, the builder of marriages, and the keeper of marriages. He's not a man. You can't follow him around. You can't follow her around. There's no way, even if you do. There's no sex policeman yet. There's no sex FBI. There's no way, except you just have to trust each other and pray for each other. Where do you draw the line? Pray. Three things you must do to draw the line, to define what you can do and what you can't do. Number one, pray as God. Number two, study the word of God. Number three, let the spirit of God lead you. It's on the inside of you. Somebody was asking me, uh, you know, uh, Pastor, but how about anal sex? I said, there's nothing in that, physio, physio, in, that, in, in that anatomy that is prepared to be used for sex. Eh, but men like it. Yeah, they like it. Then they get all the trouble that come with it, all the troubles that come with it. I know of a lady who insisted that her husband had to have oral sex, anal sex, and then the conventional vaginal sex. All in one go. Aha, it feels good. Anything less than that, there is trouble. And he will beat her up. And then get out and dress up and storm out of the house. Another other woman, her husband must have horror sex for a couple of hours first. Aha, then he's ready for the real thing. Until the, the Lord began to deal with her in her dreams. After 20 years of marriage, deal with her, deal with her. Until she began to say, Lord, what am I doing wrong? The Lord said to her, you cannot use your mouth that you praise me with, that you talk to me with, that you intercede for other people with, to, you, to pervert it. If you do that, I'm going to withhold my blessings from your life. She told the husband, the husband said, it's either all sex or I kill you or I live. I'm going to get another boy. I'm going to go outside. The wife said, I would rather please God than please you. Eh, but that's what other people are doing. Well, I don't know if God has spoken to other women, but God is dealing with me every night. Clearly. That means that some people are for perishing. Some people are to, for the enjoyment of here on earth and nothing else. I don't know about you, I'm, en I'm going to enjoy here, I'm enjoying here, and I'm going to heaven. How about you? Say me too. Number five, managing sexual drives. That is a whole troublesome area. Singles, widows, widowers, divorcees, single mothers, single fathers. Managing sex drives. First of all, to manage your sex drive, determine who you are. Well, Pastor, how do I know if I'm high, extra high or normal? Everybody thinks your sexual drive is normal. Even the extremely high, if you ask them, they say, oh, I'm just normal. You're normal, yeah. But you, <laughs> you're trying to kill your husband. He has had four heart attacks. <laughs> Jezebel will say, she, will say she's normal. Ruth will say she's normal. Sarah will say she's normal. Even Hagar will say she's normal. Everybody thinks they are normal. So how do we know those who are normal and those who are not? What, what is high? What is low? What is extra high? What is medium? I don't know. You check for yourself. 
But I know that there are certain people at a certain time of the month, certain women at a certain time of the month, they can't handle themselves. While some other people, they're easy and good. If you battle, they're, they're, okay, let me give you some things that will show you. Number one, monthly struggles. Monthly struggles. Number two, lustful thinking. Number three, easy arousal. Knee-jerk arousal. In other words, suddenly you're not thinking of sex. You just see yourself aroused, and you're sitting in the bus in Greyhound going to Alabama <laughs> to go and sell insurance. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> then something's wrong. Suddenly your body just... And I'm preaching. Or you see an usher pass. Or so, so you see a woman that praise the Lord now. I will praise you. In the Bible. <laughs> and woo, you. What if I get this woman? Woo, look at the ooh. Is that the line of her panty? Ooh. Hmm. Is this medium? Ooh. If I could get my hands on this. Oh, you need help. I'm blunt today. I'm raw. Huh? The credit. Yeah, yeah, come on, help me preach. What do they do? They shouldn't be putting the, the brothers in that situation either. Thank you. You come into church, private part has become public part. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very distracting. Lift your hands and say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. The brother says, oh, oh. It's peeping down your cleavage. And then they are dancing. Some African dances, you see. They go, oh, 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 oh. And the man is lost. He has forgotten. And if you're a preacher, you dare. <laughs> what black people have done in this world? And then the preacher, Sunday school teacher says, hey, Brother John, what's the memory verse for today? Hmm? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Sister Victoria, oh, no, uh, sir? You, you, you must be modestly covered up. If you expose everything to everybody in the church, what will the brother enjoy? After marriage, you come into church, everybody says, oh yeah, we, we know everything. We know the shape of everything, the anatomy, the everything. I'm saying it to him, I'm in my church, you can't stop me. <laughs> so if you have knee-jerk reactions, flashes, hot flashes of sexual drive, of course, you have frequent sex dreams. Some people tell us that, yeah, it's just the body re releasing. Releasing what? Frequent sex dreams. Uh-huh. And if you have uh, cravings for movies, sex movies, and music, all those kind of things. And as you see some people, number seven, they, the best topic in the world is sex talk and sex jokes. They, if, you are, if you call them for a night vigil, they won't come. If you call them for a night of sex jokes, they will be awake all night. They laugh. <laughs> you say, what is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1? Huh? Uh, the judge shall live by faith. No. We don't know nothing. There are men who are so developed, they can see a woman driving, going down the street immediately. Some men are so developed, they can tell you the color of a woman's underwear by looking at her. That's when a demon is coming. And I've met people like that. God has helped them. You must, and we're still going to come back to this, managing the sex drive. Because a lot of people have problems with their sex drives. Too low, too high problems. I was asking uh, somebody, and this is, these are the sum of things they gave me, to control sex drive. You have to develop, you have to resist the urge. That's one. Number two, realize it's not good. Number three, do something else. Keep your mind busy. Number four, bring the body under. Number five, during that time of the month that your body is fighting, You've got to develop, develop self, strong self-control. 
use the word of God and be accountable to someone. You must have a pastor's wife or somebody, a pastor, depends on who you are, that you can say, listen, pray with me. And I got introduced to it in 1992. A young lady who was a Christian said to me, can you pray for me? I said, for what? He said, every this time of the month I go crazy. Her own was so bad that she didn't go to work. Her family would not let her go to work. Not let her leave the house. For the reason that she could jump on anybody. I mean, they were concerned that she could rape a man. Sick. Thank God she got married. I saw her years ago. I said, how are things? Are we delivered now? He said, leave me alone. What's your business? <laughs> you know, I would. I like to make trouble every now and then. So management, we're going to come back to the killing boredom in bed. Couples is a killer. Boredom is a killer of marital sex. Boredom. Before you know it, we're going to talk about it some more. Before you know it, you come home from work, you're tired, you've had a bad day, you've stayed long, and the weather in these, and the children are that, and before you know it, you begin to take each other for granted. Two, you begin to, so that these are things that do. All right, let me give you marital sex killers. Number one, taking each other for granted. Taking each other for granted. Number two, forsaking romance. I mean, this woman, you couldn't keep your hands to yourself when you were dating and courting. Now, leave me alone. I'm tired. Three, go beyond the physical. She has put on weight because she's had children. His stomach has become big because of your cooking. He's quiet now. <laughs> you must overcome those. Four, still talk. Communicate. So when there's no communication, it begins to get boring. Five, variety still works. Fun still works and six do not be predicted